Welcome to today's study with Pastor Rick. Reaching thousands around the world by radio and online, Pastor Rick provides answers to the challenges of everyday living. Hi, this is Pastor Rick. I'm so excited about today's message. It's called Dreaming a Blessable Dream. I don't believe all dreams are blessable. Here's a question for you. Are you dreaming a dream that God believes is best for you? Does God look at your dream and say that would be good for them? Have you ever dreamed a dream and looked back and said, man, that was a bad dream? I want you to buckle up today. We're going to talk about dreaming a blessable dream. It will help bless your life and get your dream going in the right direction. I have one question for you today that I want to ask. One simple question I want you to think about for the rest of the week. What are the chances that your dream will ever come true? What are the chances that what you keep talking about will happen? Is there a possibility that it will never, ever happen? You will never finish college. Now, statistically, it's pretty strong. Over half of those who go in don't finish. In some settings, it's 70%, 7 out of 10. What are the chances that you will fall into that number? What are the chances that you will not fall, you will not have a happy marriage? You may, you may fall in love, but you will not have a happy marriage. It will not end well. What are the chances that that's true? What are the chances that you, as a person, will dream of going into a particular career, but you will never reach that goal? What are the chances? Now, here's what I want you to think about. No dream will ever come true in my life if my daily actions don't match my dreams. If my daily actions don't match my dreams, there's a great chance that that dream will never, ever come true. So you want a happy relationship, but you fuss and fight all the time. That's a prophecy. And I tell couples this. You are headed down the road of divorce. Sleeping in separate rooms, separated from each other, uh, low low um, commitment to, to unify and do things together. It's a bad road. I, can, I, can, I look at a lot of families and I can tell this is a family that when that person dies, it will all collapse. The dreams will never come true. Now just think for a second. Is that you? Is my dream a realistic dream based on my lifestyle choices? I now uh, have been blessed to have some really good health reports. So I'm 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 fine. What can I do at 56 to guarantee by 66 I'm still healthy? Every time I eat, I decide. Every time I choose to not exercise, I decide. Am I counting my steps? Am I counting my activities? Am I focused in a way that I can prove? Can you prove to me that you're headed towards your dream? Do you act like a lawyer, talk like a doctor? Do you study like a person who wants to be a social worker? Do you plan like a person in your personal life who wants to run a big business? Pretend your home was the big business. How does it look? Would I invest in your stock? If I were to go to your room right now, you want to be an interior designer. How is it looking? (laughs) Somebody said, that's not fair, Pastor. We got rushed to get to church. I understand, but 
It was like their last Monday too. <laughs> and Thursday. Is your life chaotic, out of order? I want to give you a list of things that I think can affect your potential dreams. And there's a list of seven. I want to quickly work through them and I want you to just think about these. These are seven things that can affect your dream. I've seen them affect mine and you might relate to these. If you become angry, distracted, impatient, judgmental, negative, jealousy, jealous or disappointed, all those things can affect your dreams. Say them simply say angry, distracted, impatient, judgmental, negative, jealous, or disappointed. All those things can affect you. If you become angry like Cain in Genesis chapter 4 verse 8, who for no reason of his brother's uh, creation, he lost perspective simply because it didn't go his way. He wasn't highlighted, so he killed his brother. If you become distracted like Lot was in Genesis 13 and 19, a man they had to always go rescue, the person, who, the family member who's always in trouble and you got to always go save them. And he's only in trouble because he's distracted from his responsibilities. And if you're like Jacob, who became impatient in Genesis 27 and, won, and stole his brother's birthright, you don't want to wait your turn. So you go take somebody else's husband. You go take somebody else's mate. You go take somebody else's stuff. You, you take somebody else's. not yours. Justify it. Call it love. Call it what you want. It's not yours. It's not yours. It's not yours. It's not yours. You're impatient. You're afraid to miss a train. You might not get another one. She's not your wife. That is not your position to take from that person. But you set them up to fail so you can get the promotion. Be patient. Don't be judgmental like Joseph's brothers in Genesis 37, verse 18. They could not imagine that this dreaming guy had some value. And they judged him unfairly. See, judgment in the Bible is misunderstood a lot, of, a lot of times because we think that the Bible says in Matthew 7, don't judge that you be not judged. And they think that means don't have an opinion. It doesn't mean that at all. It means don't judge unfairly. It means to come to, to conclusions about people that are unfair. You have a problem in your eye, but you're trying to look at their eye and see their problem. You have a, a, you have, they have a speck in their eye and you've got a beam in yours, it says. You're so focused on their small problem, you can't see your big one. Judgmental. Judging unfairly. People you don't know. If you become negative like the spies in Israel in Numbers chapter 13. Sent 12 guys over to spout the land, see whether they can conquer the land. 10 guys said no, killed everything. Negative people poison the air. They poison the room. If you become jealous like Saul, 1 Samuel 18, he just could not handle in verse 7. He couldn't handle that David got more glory than him. He couldn't, couldn't celebrate the person who got the promotion. David's killed his ten thousands. Saul's killed his thousands. He didn't like the idea that David was ascribed to have killed more people than him. David didn't write the song. But Saul, couldn't call, Saul didn't understand that. And from that moment forward, he looked at, Jay, at, at, at David differently. I wonder if you're the kind of person who cannot celebrate somebody else's success. You're a jealous person. You want it all for yourself. I have been, I have been so often tempted to be jealous. 
I fought it and I fight it and I don't. I just, I talk to it. If you see somebody with something a little bit more than you, you wonder, why didn't I get that? Why didn't I have that? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful thing and you have to catch it in the early stages. You have to identify it in yourself and say, why am I mad with her? Because she got married and her hair looks better than mine or because she, her feet aren't crooked or what? Hate her with her straight toes. I just can't stand her with her oh, wonderful looking hair. Makes me sick. If I become disappointed like Judas. Judas is a fascinating guy. Luke chapter 22 talks about him and it's interesting. This is a guy who had one expectation of how God would change the world. And he thought the Roman soldiers would come and conquer the world and he would be part of the, you know, the conquering people. If this guy can heal the sick, he can kill people. I mean, you know, he can wave his hand and kill all of them. You know, this is amazing. When, when Judas discovers that what he's planned isn't going to happen, he's frustrated. He betrays Jesus because he, he didn't see any financial investment in this thing and he quit. Disappointed. Judas was disappointed because what he thought he would get out of this, he didn't get. So he, he sold everybody out. What an amazing attitude. And let me tell you, those things hinder your potential dream. There's something that, that, that can happen to you and your thinking that can get really off and you have to back yourself up a little bit and check your actions. And I must, I must say, if I'm really honest, God has had a dream for me, dreams that he couldn't give me. I had dreams that I couldn't reach because my actions were consistent with my dreams. But there's a guy in the Bible who, who shows us how to think. Acts chapter 10, a guy named Cornelius. Now this is a guy who practices things that improved his potential. These were things that stood out to me, and they were just simple things. There's two things he did that lifted his potentials. Now, this is a guy who, who not only reached his dreams, but he's going to reach God's dream for him. There's two dreams, see? Your dream, God's dream. Come on, say, my dream, God's dream. There's another guy that's not going to reach the full potential of his dream. His name is Peter. Now, I want to show you this in chapter 10. Look at verse, verse 1. There's a centurion man in Caesarea called Cornelius. And of what was called the Italian regiment. He was a devout man. One who, number one, feared God. With all his household, who gave alms generously to the people. He always gave. Big giver. People knew him. You need some money. You can't get your food. Go, go visit Cornelius. He'll help you pay your rent. Amazing. So, Roman soldier. The guy in the neighborhood that people had testimonies about. I remember one time, kids was hungry. Went back and he came by and sent his soldiers by and dropped off a bag of groceries. This was, that, that's who Cornelius was. The Roman soldier people liked. He was over about 100 men. And centurions were impressive. There's a movie out about centurions. Great warriors, great fighters. The Bible says he feared God, a devout man, with all of his household. And it wasn't just him, it was his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. 
About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Verse 4, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, two things, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. I see something in you that is impressive. You pray, sir, and you give. Amazing. I noted under number one in your notes four things about him that stood out to me. Number one, he was a man who worked. He was a full-time soldier. He was a man who understood the power of going to work. Now, I like that about him. Sometimes your dream is not possible because you don't do this. Let me say it again. Go to work. Sometimes you're praying for a miracle and the Lord says, go to work. And, and work, work for real. A, a job that's going to pay you what you need. Try to consider working. Number two, fearing God. That impressed me about this man. Number three, he was a giver. Number four, he was a man who prayed. Four things that were impressive. Now, the results of this were quite strong. At the end of the day, it got God's attention, and God came to him and said, I want to now show you my dream. You have reached your dream, and now... I want to show you my vision for your life. Now, here's how it works. He has to introduce him to somebody. His name is Peter. And you're going to see two guys, Peter's dream and Cornelius' dream. Now, each guy is praying in this story in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius is praying. Peter is praying. Peter is praying on a rooftop. Peter's praying and Peter's asking God and talking to God, but Peter cannot imagine what God is about to do. Cornelius is at his house praying, and he's doing all he can, but he can't imagine what God's about to do. God's dream for both men is well beyond their imagination. Do you have a dream that you've experienced that you could not possibly have imagined before now? Can you go back in your life and say, I never dreamed it would be possible for me to do this or to go there or to have that? Both guys praying, no clue what God's about to do. There's a, a verse put in your notes, and I didn't say it in either of the three services, but it's in Romans 11 where it talks about God's plan for Israel. It was a plan in Romans chapter 11 that was far beyond what they could imagine. Let me read the statement I wrote. Peter and Cornelius could, either, could never have fully imagined God's plans for Jews and Gentiles. Their culture, watch this now, their culture and exposure would not let them see or dream their full potential. Do you know what I believe before you turn your notes over? Here's what I believe. I believe that there are things that your culture as an African-American, your exposures as an Asian person, your exposure as a Caucasian person, your exposure as an American, your exposure as a woman or as a man or as a 20-year-old or as a 30-year-old or a 50-year-old, certain, certain things, certain dynamics stop you from dreaming. Peter nor Cornelius could imagine. They could not even think that certain things were possible. 
Cornelius and Peter could not imagine what God was about to give them. But let me show you something for a minute. Let me show you the things that I believe changed everything. Let's start with Cornelius. Cornelius was told, I need you in order to get you to another level of dream. I need you to go to a specific place, meet a specific person with a specific attitude. Here's what he says in chapter 10, verse 5. Send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with, a Simon, with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. And he will tell you what you must do. That's what the angel told him to do. Send your people to go talk to this guy. Notice, sometimes in your life, the next level of dream potential for you lies in a relationship. You have to meet a specific person. You have to go to a specific place. You may not like church. You may not like coming, but this could be the place for you. This, could, this one sermon could be what helps you. You may never come back again, but this could be the one sermon, the one conversation you consider that could change it, the way you see the world. That moment for Cornelius was incredible. When he got there and he sent his servants to meet Peter, he knocks on the door. Peter is having a dream. The dream is of a sheet coming down from heaven in Acts chapter 10. And in this sheet, there's all kind of animals and stuff that Peter doesn't eat, stuff he doesn't eat. And the, and, and the angel of the Lord told him, slay and eat. And Peter says, I don't eat this stuff. It's common and unclean. It, I, I, don't, I don't do that. A lot of things will never change in your life. Your dream potential will be limited because you don't. I don't fly. I don't. I don't talk to those kind of people. I don't. You have a lot of don'ts. And because you don't, you won't. Your dream will be limited. Remember, Peter has a dream for his life, but God says, Peter, I'm trying to elevate your potential. I'm trying to take you to another place. And the only way you're going to do that is you got to go with these people. And when Peter came off the, out of the dream and he heard somebody knocking at the door, he opens the door and there's the don't. The don't is at the door, the Gentiles, the people that the Jews never, never would fellowship with. You know, you can become so ethnically proud that you forget a Japanese brother could have your answer. Some of you women need to move to Japan. Your husband could be over there. Look at you laughing. You ain't even open to the Holy Spirit. Look at that. See, he ain't in no Japan. I know that. I know, I know one thing. I like his sermon kind of sort of, but I know my husband ain't in no Japan. I, I can't speak no, I can't speak Japanese. Maybe you should learn. I ain't learning no Japanese. See, you don't. Don't, don't. I don't. All your don'ts can hinder you. Peter looks at those guys and goes with them. And when he gets there, all the men respond to the gospel, or all of them come to Christ. It's an amazing moment. And everything changes. Who do you need to meet? Where do you need to be? I was in Los Angeles, California. I was there. And I remember when I married Diane, I said these words. I came back. I met Diane on a preaching trip here. I, I was born here and only went to school here about 18 months in my life. But I, I was raised in L.A., graduated from high school in L.A., college in LA and I came back here on a preaching trip and met Diane had family here though and when I married Diane we were in the car I never forget we were driving away from my mother's house 
And I said these words, tell them goodbye because you will not see them for five years. I don't know why you guys said something crazy like that, but I was newly married, didn't know what I was talking about. I was back here in six months. <laughs> I said, I'm not moving to Savannah. I said that. I'm not, I don't, I don't plan. I don't plan. My dream, my dream. What was my dream? My dream was to graduate, go to seminary, learn some Greek and Hebrew, become a Bible scholar person. That was my dream. The Lord said, I'm not going back to Savannah. I'm telling you now. But God had a different vision for me. God said, no, I want to do something for you that you haven't thought about. I need to get you introduced to some people that will help change your life. I want to put you in a place that will broaden your vision. And what I'm doing is I'm sowing a seed in your, in your heart. My dream is bigger than your dream, Temple. Your dream is to be a LAPD police officer. That's my dream. I say it all the time. That's what I wanted to do. That was my whole dream. My dream was to be in some kind of law enforcement. Maybe one day be a lawyer. Maybe. That was my dream. I never, never dreamed to preach. Never, never prayed to preach. Never asked to preach. Never wanted to preach. Never thought about it. Never. None of that. None of that. There's a lot of things I didn't say. I didn't think about getting married. When, you, when I was a single man, if you asked me about marriage, I had one standard answer. How do you spell that? That's an M in there I heard and an A and an R or something like that. That was my standard answer when I was asked that question when I was 19, 20, 21. I didn't want to marry. I'm not getting married. Married for what? What am I getting married for? Married for what? Never dreamed it. Never thought about it. Never, ever, 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 ever. Somebody said, what happened to you? You showed it change. Yeah. I ran into God's dream. I ran into a dream, but it took a certain attitude. Specific place, specific person, and a specific attitude. That's what made Cornelius' dream possible. God led him to a place and the world changed for him. Everything changed. Who do you need to meet? Where do you need to go? What do you need to happen in your life to get you to the place God wants you to be? Who do you need to listen to? There's a moment in your life when you, you consider something, and I want you to just pray with me now, and I want you to consider something. You may have a dream, and I hope you pursue it and do everything you can like Cornelius did to receive it. Go to work. Work hard, climb the corporate ladder, do what you can do. But when you get to that place, and you'll know where it is, will you pray this prayer, Lord, I've done my dream, but I don't know where to go next. Show me your dream. Show me something I can't see. Open a door for me that I cannot open for myself. Provide a miracle for me that I can't. And let me just tell you what I believe is true. God looked at me, and he said, Ricky Temple, you're a young man who... Rode the bus until you were 15. Your family, your mama raised you by herself and you didn't have a car. You, drew, you, you dragged your clothes to the laundromat. You didn't have a wash and a dryer. You washed clothes in the sink. You hung your clothes up on the line. Young man who never dreamed, who thought about going to college, but when you went to register for college, you went by yourself. And you know how good you do when you go by yourself. But he said, I've got something for you. I've got something that I know you'll fall in love with. You don't even know that you love the word of God like this. You have no idea how much you'll love this book, but I'm going to let you meet somebody. And I'm going to expose you to the word of God. And I'm going to expose you to theology. And, and I fell in love. I fell in love sitting on a railroad track with the Bible. Somebody showing me how to look, at, look, at, look up a word in the concordance. I thought, man, I love that. He showed me a Greek word that he could barely pronounce himself. And I said, I like that. 
And before you know it, I was hunting down books and reading and trying to learn more. And before you know it, I met somebody else who said, you know, there's a school. And it was a little school. I didn't need to go to another school because I wouldn't learn there. God has a school for you. And I went to that school in our Bible college, and that's where, that's where the hunger grew. And that's where men with doctorate degrees and PhDs started teaching me the love for the word of God. And before you know it, I was in love with this stuff. I used to sit in the library for four years, hour after hour, doing this. No computers. Turn the page. Hour upon hour. Turn the page. And the more I read, the more excited I became. I had this insatiable appetite to learn God's word. And then all of a sudden, I wondered, I stumbled into teaching and found out that people could understand what I was saying. And before you know it, I, was in, I ended up pastoring. And before you know it, people kept coming. And before you know it, things started happening. That's God's dream. That wasn't my dream. That's God's vision. That wasn't my vision. Come on, say amen. What is God's vision for your life? Well, I pray this talk about dreams has helped you today. You know, you start out your life trying your best to get your dreams going in the right direction. And sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes your actions don't line up with your dreams. Sometimes you say you believe things and you look and say, man, I really didn't believe that. Over time, you see it, but you didn't see it right away. Wherever you are, God loves you. So here's the deal. At least you've got a dream. You may have to adjust it, but I want you to keep on dreaming and dream a blessable dream, something that God can bless. See you next time. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message from Pastor Ricky Temple. Watch more encouraging messages from Pastor Rick at www.rickytemple.tv. If you'd like a copy of this message, click on the bookstore tab at rickytemple.com where you can watch Pastor Rick live and get information about our ministry. Join us next time for another uplifting message.